Welcome to Healthy Churches ABNWT, a resource created by and for PAOC Alberta and Northwest Territories pastors and ministry leaders. The focus is on leadership development and congregational health. The goal is to help you reach more people. Visit abnwt.com for more information. Well, welcome to the ABNWT Healthy Church Podcast. My name is Jeremiah Rabel, and as always, we talk about healthy churches, healthy leaders. Our goal here in the ABNWT district is to revitalize our churches and reach 4.1 million Albertans and Northwest Territorians with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? Because we believe that knowing Jesus makes all the difference. And so we're working with our pastors and key ministry leaders to see churches in our district revitalized and get on the Great Commission, which is is to seek and save the lost and to make disciples. With me today is Gary Tatinger. He's our district superintendent. He was with us this time last year talking a little bit about revitalization and what it looks like. And so we're happy to have him back to give us a bit of an update. So welcome, Gary. It's good to be here. So remind us a little bit today about revitalization, what we've been doing. Why is this the one big thing in our district? You know, most of what every church does has value. Yeah. I mean it's it's often worth doing. But the question about revitalization really comes back to knowing the difference between what has some value and what is wildly important. Right. Yeah. Those are two very different ways of expressing yourself. Um, you know, it's good to have the suppers, good to have the meetings, good to have the the programs and the committee meetings and the reports and all the things that go round and round in the life and the year of a church. Yeah. But how many of those things are wildly important? Right. And also, what of any of those things does everything else hinge on? That's that's really the big question. Huh. In other words, take the apostolic church. Uh, from the day of Pentecost when Christianity exploded, yeah. uh, what did they do? What did the apostles just get busy doing within the next year, the next five years, the next 10 years, over the next 40 years? What they did, they devoted their time to setting local churches in order all over the empire. And so the, uh, the thing is, centered on healthy local churches, Christianity, from day one. And how many things in our churches are necessary for uh, promoting prevailing healthy churches. That's, that's what vitalization is about. Right. You know, if, if we don't have healthy, vital churches, missions won't get done. If we don't have healthy, vital churches, next generation leaders aren't going to be developed. Yeah. Uh, Bible colleges are going to flounder. Uh, are we going to plant churches if all of our original churches are flatlined and their, their heart rate is gone? Um, are we going to have community engagement that influences our, our towns and our cities? No. None of those move forward without prevailing churches. So we're just saying vital churches is the OBT right. that the Christian church and our, all our denominations have to be about. Not just us. Not just us. Yeah. Uh, that, it's not a denominational thing. It, it's a Christian thing. It's back to, you know, Matthew 28. Yeah. And you, you go reach a world now, that is the Christian mission. But it's hard. It's hard to keep 
it's hard, I don't know why, but it's hard to keep the thing, the main thing, the main thing, because there's all these other competing things that happen, isn't there? Well, you get your eye off the ball. Yeah. And, you know, great companies start up, but all of a sudden they drift off. They get overtaken by competitors. What happens? Well, they got their eye off the ball. Yeah. They started being about something other than that original invigorating idea that they were about. Yeah. And uh, that's what uh, happens. And then they slip from the scene and somebody else takes their place. And the same thing happens to churches. Wow. We need to talk about what has really happened in the North American church Hmm. uh, from the time when two-thirds of Canadians were in church every Sunday. Imagine that. I I can't. From Maritimes (laughs) to Vancouver Island, that uh, two out of three Canadians were in a Christian church every Sunday. Wow. And so some of them missed that Sunday and they'd be back the next Sunday. So the actual uh, amount of Canadians who were in church on a given month would be even higher than that. And that's changed. Mm-hmm. Now we're 11% instead of 64% in church. Yeah, yeah. So we have a problem. Uh, what is the problem? Is it just church attendance? Uh, maybe not. Maybe some things have shifted in the church that have precipitated this whole thing. And that's what I think that happened. And so then how do we fix that? That's what vitalization is all about to me. Yeah. Yeah. So important. So talk to us a little bit about what's been happening in our district so far. Uh, What have you been seeing? Well, I've been watching a shift. I mean, I'm not a newcomer to church. Yeah. (laughs) I've been church through and through since my preschool days. I've been watching a shift toward the indispensability of fruitfulness. Mm. Uh, The church that I had probably known over much of my life was really happy to celebrate faithfulness. Um, We're meeting together regularly. The budget is fairly well padded. Uh, People are happy. They, They love meeting together with the friends that they know and have been with in the church for so many years. And, and doing good Bible studies, you know, we're, we're sound in doctrine, all these things. We're faithful to all of that. And one of the things that we stopped discussing was how are people consistently coming to Christ in this church? We, we lost sight of the indispensability of fruitfulness, which is really the Great Commission. Right, yeah. And so I've watched an increasing shift towards the indispensability of fruitfulness as we've seen going from 18% of our churches growing to 40% of our churches growing. Wow, wow. Um, that happened because we really began to zero in on fruitfulness. Huh. Um, I've watched the, the, uh, <laughs> the case for the impossibility of the growing church meltdown. All the reasons why you can't reach people in southern Alberta why uh, Canadians don't go to church anymore, why secularism has completely carried the day. And we'd sort of talked ourselves into why we should go out of business almost as churches. (laughs) And I've watched as leaders begun to say, hey, that doesn't fit with the Bible. Yeah, That's that's kind of making an agreement with a lie, really, is what it is. Uh, The old, you can't do it here in this town, I've watched... Uh, church after church back away from that and say, you know what, even though we've got 15 people, even though we've got 32 people, even though we've got 75 people, 
God is still able to reach people in amen. this town. Yeah, amen. They're stepping up and they're seeing that stuff happen, eh? Yeah. I, I've, I've watched an interesting thing here, too, where I've seen a district begin to give backup to single-cell churches. I spent you know, a big chunk of my life in multi-cell churches where you've got the whole retinue of uh, multiple staffs, multiple worship leaders, multiple youth and children's pastors. But I've watched what happens when you can give backup to single-cell churches. Right. When uh, the person who's just there all by themselves, week in and week out, can get some backup. They're no longer there on the own, on their own. Yeah. I've watched the difference that that can make because nobody is smart enough. Nobody's got all the gifts. No, nobody can figure this out on their own. And often those single-cell churches were under-resourced. And I watch what happens when a, a district team comes around the single-cell church. Wow, does that ever make a difference. Wow. And I, I think I've watched uh, bigger churches <clears throat> who have the luxury of being satisfied with being, satisfied with being full now aren't satisfied unless people are consistently coming to Christ. Mm. And, you know, again, I was in big church for decades, and you look out on those full auditoriums, and it looks so successful, and yet it's not necessarily the case that people are coming to Christ week in and week out there. Right. Uh, many cases, it's, we're not, we weren't even keeping track of it. Yeah. We didn't know. Yeah. And I now see large churches that have gotten serious about helping people come to faith in Christ and tracking it, measuring it, um, they've experienced a whole new level of fruitfulness in the big church. So I've seen small churches grown, big churches grown. Uh, I watched what it is for a district to reinvent itself in order to resource leaders Mm. and churches to be fruitful. And that's been a fun ride. Mm -hmm. So that's what I've been seeing. Wow, that's awesome. So like, tell us about what needs to happen. Like, what do pastors need to do in order to, for us to continue down this path? I think many are saying, yeah, like we're, we're either heading down that path or we know we need to revitalize or whatever. What, what, what needs to happen? What barriers you know, are we running up against at this point? Um, what obstacles do we need to overcome? Well, I, I don't think we're going to ever be able to quit challenging people with the Rubik's Cube question. Uh, there, there are the people who just say Rubik's cubes cannot be solved, <laughs> and you, you know, it's just a game, and nobody ever wins at it. And but really, you need to see a little kid get up and solve that Rubik's cube in like sixty or ninety seconds, and you go, "Oh my goodness, it can be done! It can be done!" Wow! And we need to get churches freshly faith-filled. Yeah. to say, stop talking ourselves out of fruitfulness. This can be done. God can help it. We can't do this. Yeah. Human beings or mechanistic human logistical systems can't grow churches. But we, we have to keep challenging people to rediscover that the Rubik's Cube can be solved oh, Wow! and churches can grow. Amen. Small and large, rural and urban, all that, all denominations... So I think I think that's the first thing that needs to happen mm-hmm. for many, because they have just uh, allowed themselves to get into a corner where they've just utterly, totally given up. They just don't think it can happen here anymore. Uh, the other thing is we, we need to rediscover the seriousness of a code blue uh, call in the hospital, which is like cardiac arrest, yeah. like where the specialists 
run down the hallways and say, we've got to save a life here. And I think that uh, nationally, we need denominational leaders who get the soundbite right and say, this is code blue. When uh, 65, 75, 80, 85% of your churches are plateaued or declining, somebody needs to say code blue. Life is not going to just go on as it always has if we don't engage this. And I think denominations need to become really seriously engaged with the urgency of this thing, because nothing changes without urgency. What you are compared to where you need to be only changes through urgency that I think grace and the Holy Spirit will cultivate in us. But we need people who are truly, you know, not chicken little saying the sky is falling in in a phony way, but they need to say, um, this is code blue. The church, uh, the denominations that exist are either going to be replaced or they're going to be revitalized. But what we're doing isn't just going to continue on in perpetuity. Right, right. That's a big deal. Wow. You know, after the success of the mid-20th century, uh, churches were full, two-thirds of the nation in church. It, It almost was a sense of, you know, what is will always be. And uh, conservative Protestants kept growing, uh, building big box churches, because we were doing a fairly good job of keeping our kids for 60 years. But uh, we lost our skills in proclamation in reaching people who have yet to come, who are outside of the church. And then all of a sudden, when we ran into a couple of non-church generations in a row, uh, our, our churches began to lose their cutting edge. Mm. And so um, I think uh, uh, we, we were kind of cavalier thinking, you know, we'll be fine. Our churches are always going to be doing well. And uh, now most denominations are waking up. I mean, some denominations have lost uh, 90% of their uh, constituency. And... Uh, most, I, all that I know of are plateaued with a few individual church exceptions, but denominationally, everybody's plateaued. And so, yeah, that's getting back to the code blue. Wow. District leaders, I think, need to champion uh, the non-optional Great Commission commitment that we need to have. And, and they need to realize that most of their local church leaders probably aren't able to lead the sort of churches that they'd like to without some help and resourcing. Uh, A few people can do that, but probably 80% of pastors need some help for their churches to be fruitful, and there's no shame in that. I pastored for, you know, 37 years in the same church, and I continually needed help. I needed ideas, I needed coaching, I needed evaluation, I needed resourcing. I, I, I continually needed help to see those churches, that church continue to be fruitful. Yeah. And I think it's, it's really on the district to initiate the offering and the provision of that. And we need an avalanche of engagement from regional leadership in our denominations to help struggling local church pastors throughout our provinces and territories to become fruitful again. And I, they need to search out for it, but I think the district leaders really need to ante up and take some initiative. I think for a local church pastor, realizing that they have to take responsibility for their church, uh, it's, it's paramount to pray that this will happen, but pray and then 
God says, you do your part. We need to take responsibility. Right. Uh, part of that was refusing to make excuses. Uh, our churches won't grow in spite of us. Uh, we need to be committed to leading a church to be relentlessly outbound. And if we're not committed, well, what do we expect from the congregation? Right. Um, yeah. We're not and, modeling it, right? We're, no. Yeah. If, if you're not, you know, really jacked about getting this church growing and reaching your community, I don't think the church is going to do it in spite of you as a pastor. Mm. So if you can be satisfied with anything less, you'll find a dozen excuses for not leading a growing church. But once you're convinced, uh, then you need to lead the people through the process of change, your board governance, your congregational mindset. Um, And I think you've got to begin to reach out for help. So stop trying to figure it out on your own and uh, lean in. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what we got, right? We got coaches, we got people in the district, we got other pastors that are all willing to 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 help, to resource and to to encourage, and that's what that's why we're a tribe. We're better together, hey? Yep, yep. That's right. Well, the Holy Spirit, we're pretty clear exegesis, uh, exegetical evidence, I should say, that nobody's got all the gifts. Right. I mean. Some, you know, have their varying strengths, but the Holy Spirit intentionally didn't give everybody all of the gifts. He spread it out between the church so that we're interdependent. Like, I need you. I need other people. I need to have coffee and listen to them. I need to go to a conference. I need to read their books. Uh, I need someone to come in and watch the church. I'm seeing it through my eyes that uh, have stopped to realize how we're greeting visitors, how we're wrapping up. Do we even give an invitation for salvation at the end of the church? Somebody comes in and say, do you realize you didn't even invite people to receive Christ at the end of that sermon? Yeah. Well, I never, I thought we were a little tight on time. And so I just skipped that. And I need somebody to come in and just evaluate me. Yeah. Nothing wrong with uh, that. It's good. Nothing the matter with that. That's why we need the other gifts in that body. Wow. That's awesome. And Gary, you know, sometimes we have pastors that, you know, make excuses and I can't do this because of whatever. What would you say to that, um, to pastors who maybe are kind of a little hands off on this whole revitalization thing at this point? You know, I think of uh, some of the reasons that uh, I dodged things in my pastoral years. Yeah. A lot of it was my personal insecurity. Mm. Come back after holidays and I think, have I got what it takes to begin leading this church again? Uh, when I hear about churches that are prevailing, I begin to think, what's the matter with me? Uh, two families left the church last month, and and I'm wondering if it's my preaching. And a lot of the reasons that I headed for cover in those days was my own personal insecurity. And that's mm-hmm. unfortunate, because um, we all have our strengths and weaknesses. Yeah, yeah. And I think a lot of pastors are saying, boy, I... I'm really reluctant about inviting someone in to help us do an analysis here because what if the problem is me? What'll happen? Right. Um, And you can envision worst case scenarios, but frankly, the problem to some degree is always partially me. Sure. I'm going to have to learn. I'm going to have to change. Is it going to be, you know, uh, search and destroy or uh, remove him, you know, sort of... Probably not in most cases, yeah. um, but I think getting over the insecurity thing is is a 
big deal. We don't want somebody looking and auditing uh, what I've done for the last seven years in this church. Mm. And uh, what if they say, wow, this was completely missing. And so, so we think we'll just keep doing what we're doing. And besides, uh, I'm only uh, six years from retirement. Yeah. So uh, how bad can it be? I'll just keep doing my best and... Um, you know, I don't need to sort of upset the whole system here by doing this big audit or discovery weekend or whatever. And I think I think it's just yeah, it's innocent enough, but insecurity, uh, frankly, will stand before the Lord one day, and He's going to have us give an account. Did you do everything you possibly could mm-hmm. to reach that community, or? Or if you didn't, why didn't you? I think we'll have that conversation. Yeah, I do too. And, uh, you know, I want to say, you know, uh, I think we really didn't stop from turning over every stone that we possibly could. Um, People accepted the gospel or they rejected it. But from our little church we were just relentlessly outbound. Yeah. We tried and we kept trying and we wish we could have reached more. We wish more would have responded to the gospel, but I think we have to, we have to be able to answer the question, am I willing to lead a relentlessly outbound church? Mm. And if I'm not, is it my own insecurity? Am I afraid of the work? Uh, it's busy. It's it's challenging. It's yeah. it's uphill. What does Maxwell say? You know, everything worthwhile is uphill. uphill the yeah. reason we don't get there is that we try to live by downhill habits. It's hard work. It's yeah. hard work leading a prevailing church, reaching the community. You know, overcoming those setbacks, getting up, doing it again, doing it again. It's hard work, isn't it? Yeah, costs money. Yeah, uh, not everybody gets it right away, so we have to lead people through the process of change. Yeah, yeah. We have to be patient with their questions, um, but that's okay. Uh, leaders who know what's wildly important, yeah, uh, can keep prevailing in the direction that they know we just have to go. Wow. And what I love about the last couple of years since we've been really focused on revitalization in our district is the shifts that we've seen our leaders make. Yep. The bravery that's, that many of our leaders are taking to say, you know what, I've, I've done things this way. I now see the focus. Let's go. Um, what would you say to those leaders that are, are making that shift and, and people that are climbing these hills here in, in these days with us as we seek to revitalize 80% of our churches in this district? I just want to encourage them. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to be uh, disingenuous and suggest that uh, it's going to be easy and that it's going to happen really, really fast. Uh, it's probably going to be hard and it's probably going to take longer than you expected. It's probably going to create some resource crunch. It's going to cost a little more, going to be a little bit daunting as to how are we going to pay for this? How will we fund the outreach or where will we find the budget to hire the staff? Those are hard things and I've lived through that and I don't diminish that. But I just want to encourage you that when you're looking back, you're going to look back and say, you know what? I'm so glad that we didn't shrink from the challenge. Um, uh, God helped us, 
And uh, we, we eventually got on the, the other side of problems that seemed like they were going to swallow us up, but we found our way through. Yeah. Keep reaching out for help. Uh, I'm, again, I'm so glad that I reached out for help. I booked a consultant to come in. We spent uh, days when he would come in and we would first just talk about my hardest questions, the things that were uh, keeping me from going to sleep at night. Yeah. And uh, I'm glad I did that. It, it was a little uncomfortable to verbalize all of that, but you know, God helped us to find a way through. Wow. And um, I would just encourage you, this is the right thing to do. It's what you're going to look back on and be glad you did at the end. Furthermore, I just want to encourage you, God is going to help you. God is going to help you to do this. Mm. Uh, you're going to experience incremental success, not a landslide of success, probably not revival overnight, but you're going to see incremental success. Uh, just heard an update from a pastor who was, that was... Uh, <clears throat> church had rolled back. They were in about 40 people, mm -hmm. but it just got a report from last weekend. They're running just over 50. Wow. Now that doesn't impress maybe somebody in a church of 5,000, but I've attended churches of 40 and 50 people. And to go from 40 to consistently having 50, that's encouraging. That's, that's and that yeah. can happen in your church. Yeah. You can, you know, we know of a church that was stuck at 200 for years and they now run in the 400 area. Yeah. And that's just in about two and a half years of hard work. Yeah. So God wants this to happen for your church. Yeah. And I really don't think you're going to fail if you will just have the recklessness to set your eyes on some faith goals and believe, I think God is going to help us. Mm -hmm. You know, it's the Jonathan and his armor bearer thing. Yeah, Who yeah, knows? Yeah. Maybe God's going to help <laughs> us. I think have the the attitude that if we'll step out, God's not going to let us down. Amen. So be encouraged. Uh, hard work. It's going to take longer. It's going to be more expensive than you expected. But don't give up. That's the worst thing is to give up. God's going to help you. And uh, don't slide for retirement. Don't uh, think, you know, well, we'll be out of this in a year or two. Uh, go out in a blaze of glory, reaching <laughs> it. people for Christ in a church that's relentlessly outbound. That's wow. what you want to do. Wow, wow, wow. Well, Gary, thanks so much. And thank you for joining us today on the APNWT Healthy Leaders Podcast. Again, we do want to encourage you to continue to be relentlessly outward bound in everything that you do. And remember that your district resource center is here to support you, to help you. And uh, we'd love to continue to encourage you and resource you in any way we can. So until next time.